Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 99 of the Money Love Podcast. The last episode in the double digits, you guys. Next week is going to be episode 100 of the podcast. I honestly cannot believe it. I have a really, really fun guest episode coming up for you guys next week, all about clothes and shopping and capsule wardrobes with a really fantastic guest. Cannot wait to share it with you. But this week is really going to be a follow-up, or let's just say a continuation of last week's episode and conversation. If you have not had a chance to listen to last week's episode, what we talked about last week were the seven types of spending that harms your finances. So I walked you through the seven types. So we talked about impulse shopping and overspending and aspirational spending and avoidance spending, habitual spending. There were a couple more. But I walked you through all of these different types of ways that we spend money that really aren't super healthy, and they're not doing a lot of good for your bank accounts or for your overall financial wellness. Now, this week, what I want to do is I kind of want to continue the discussion, but really talk about the opposite of that. Because I think the next natural question is, okay, got it. I understand that these are seven types of spending that I shouldn't be doing because they're not going to benefit me at all financially. But if I shouldn't be doing those things, then how should I be spending my money? What does that look like? What does healthy and balanced and purposeful spending actually look like? And that is what we are going to be talking about today in this week's episode. So if you haven't had a chance to go listen to last week's episode, I encourage you to do that. And really, there's going to be two sister episodes to the episode today. One is the episode from last week. 98. So go listen to that. But the second sister episode to this week's episode is episode 49, which is an episode that came out a while ago, gosh, back in 2021, almost two years ago. But it's episode 49 titled How to Be a Good Spender. And in that episode, I give you five points specifically of what I consider habits or characteristics of someone who is a good spender. And I want to bring up and mention this episode because it's one that you need to either go listen to if you haven't yet or re-listen to because the five points that I talk about in that episode are still true and they're still relevant for this topic today. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time going through them because I've already done an entire episode on those five points. So how I want you to think about today is I want you to think about, okay, when it comes to being a healthy spender, We're going to take the five points from episode 49, and I'm going to go through them quickly with you here, and we're going to merge them with everything that we talk about in today's episode. And I think between today and episode 49, that should really give you a very clear picture of what it looks like to be a healthy, balanced, and purposeful spender. So episode 49, again, there were five characteristics of a good spender. I want to walk you through those quickly just to recap. The first characteristic of a good spender is someone who actually spends money. And I know that that sounds very obvious, but actually it was a point 
and a distinction that was very important for me to make in that episode. And it's something that I think is still very crucial to keep in mind. Because of the way that so many of us have been taught to think about what healthy spending looks like. Some of you might relate very, very closely to this, but I know, and I think that this really comes from past generations that went through economic hardship, that went through wars and depressions, but how many of us are taught to think about what healthy spending habits look like is frugality, deprivation, pinching every single penny that you can, and honestly, just being cheap. And some of you guys might know people like this, where it is absolutely painstaking to get them to spend any money. They won't spend money certainly on not even the things that they want, but even spending things on needs, again, it's just like pulling teeth. And I think that's because there's just this overarching message in the money space that being financially responsible, being a good spender, being a good steward of your money means spending as little as possible. And I actually don't believe that that's the goal. I don't believe that you spending as little as possible and being cheap and just agonizing over every single penny and every single purchase is healthy. In fact, I personally believe that you could take someone who really struggles with impulsively spending money and also you could take someone on the completely opposite end of the spectrum who's hoarding money And you would find that they have a lot of the same fears, the same backgrounds with money, and they're both in deep scarcity with money. And just the way that the scarcity is manifesting itself is different between those two people, but it's still very much rooted in fear, scarcity, and comes from an unhealthy relationship with your money. So the first characteristic of a good spender is that you are actually somebody spending money. The second is that you have to have a priority for your money. I've talked about this concept many, many times. It's one of the core concepts that I teach here on the podcast and also within Overcoming Overspending. I've also done an entire past podcast episode about this, but this essentially means that your expenses have a priority, meaning that some expenses are more important than others. Your needs and necessities are more important than your wants. And it's more important that we take care of future you than doing what feels good in the moment now. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't do both of those things in parallel. It just means we're going to take care of one first and then go to the next. Having a priority for your money is really the concept of paying yourself first. It's saving and then spending what's left over versus spending and then saving what's left over if there's anything left to save after that. The third quality of a good spender is that you are planning your spending ahead of time. You have some sort of plan for your money. You have a budget, a spending plan, a money map, whatever you want to refer to it as. But the important thing with this is that you are making plans with your money from your prefrontal power, your prefrontal cortex, the human part of your brain where your decision-making happens, your goal-setting happens, your high-level thinking happens. This is the part of your brain that actually cares about what's going to happen to you tomorrow and next week and a month from now versus the caveman part of your brain, the lower downstairs part of your brain that really is only concerned with doing what feels good in the moment. And so when you have a plan for your money, you are using that upstairs, higher-functioning, 
human part of your brain that actually cares about the well being of your financial future. The fourth is that you are aligning your spending to your values. You are always keeping the spending value exchange in mind, which means that you use your money as a tool to inject value into your life. Every single time you spend money, you are given a choice. The choice is, am I going to use my money in this moment to increase the level of value in my life or decrease the level of value in my life? And if you're still a little bit confused by this concept, that's okay. It's definitely, I would say, out of the five, the hardest one to kind of grasp and understand. But I've also done an entire past podcast episode just on this one topic. I believe, I should have looked this up before I hit record, but I believe it's episode 77, but it's definitely in the 70s. It's an episode called, Are You Winning or Are You Losing? So again, another episode to circle back to after this one. And then the fifth and final quality of being a good spender is that you are tracking your spending. Now, listen, it doesn't have to mean that you are tracking every single expense down to the penny, but it does mean that you have some sort of pulse on how you are tracking against your plan. There's no sense in making a plan for your money if you're not actually going to see how you're doing and how you're tracking against that plan. Even if you only want to do some high level tracking, Like, what am I spending in certain categories? Or just tracking, am I spending less than I'm bringing in? But there needs to be some sort of touch base, a certain level of intimacy and familiarity with your spending, where it's going, and the purpose it's serving for you. So that is a very quick, fast, speedy recap of episode 49. And I thought it was relevant to our conversation today because I still feel like those five points are very important qualities and characteristics of someone who is a healthy, a good, and a purposeful spender. Now, I came up with that episode, like I said, over a year ago, almost two years ago in 2021. And since then, there have been a couple other points that have become very obvious to me after working with you guys for so long in overcoming overspending talking with you guys in our sessions and kind of seeing some themes that are coming up over and over and over, which has shown me, oh, okay, there's the five qualities of being a good spender, but also having healthy spending habits does include a few other things. And those are the things I want to share with you for the rest of this episode. The first one that I want to talk about, it actually pretty closely relates to The first point I went over in episode 49, which is to be a good spender, you have to be spending money. But I think I want to dive a little deeper on this one and expand on it a little bit more. Because something that I've realized over the past two years is that money truly is a source of energy. Money definitely has an energetic component to it, which means that it wants to flow. It wants to move, it wants to be in motion, and it wants to have a certain vibration to it. And I've given this analogy before, but I love it so much. And so I'm just going to give it again. But I want you to think about money and the way that it's going to flow to you, through you, and away from you, like water, like water in a clear, healthy, running river. So part of having a healthy relationship with money but also having healthy spending habits, is that you allow your money to flow. There is a balance of saving versus spending, of 
having and keeping and releasing. But the way that I look at it is if you do have a priority for your money and you also have a plan for your money, there's so many parts of your money management system that you can just set up and automate and just have running in the background. So you can make sure that your needs are covered, you're meeting your minimum debt obligations, you are funding a financial goal, you're preparing for larger expenses coming down the road. But then after that, it's the point where you're like, okay, I've done everything. My needs are met. My future self is taken care of. And now it's time to direct my money and release it to use it as a tool to fill up my life with value and purpose and beauty. And with that, I have no resistance to letting it go and to spending it. There's no fear. There's no tight grip on it. Again, it's going to flow into my life. Some of it I'm going to have, some of it I'm going to keep, but a lot of it I'm going to release it and I'm going to let it go. And this could really happen when you learn to have a respectful and a trusting relationship with your money. And you guys know, I like to tell you to think about your relationship with money, like the relationship that you would have with a romantic partner. And here's something I was thinking about earlier today. It's kind of like with your romantic partner, right? If your romantic partner is like, hey, I want to go out with the boys. Like we want to just go like do a round of golf or we want to go and like watch the game at this bar or whatever. How do you respond in that situation? Are you like, well, where are you going? And who's going to be there? And what are you guys going to do? And when are you going to be home? And the whole time you're just concerned about what's going on and you're fearful that something's going to happen and you're scared that something's going to fall apart and there is no respect in the relationship and there's definitely not a level of trust, your partner is going to leave and he's not going to want to come back. He probably will come back because you guys are in a relationship, but he's probably not going to want to come back. He's probably going to want to stay out with the boys as long as he possibly can because he knows when he gets home, he's just going to be peppered with questions. Versus, I love you, I respect you, and I fully 100% trust you. I trust you while you're out. You're going to get what you need. You're going to be respectful of our relationship. You're not going to do anything that's cause for concern. You're going to have a great time with your friends. Have fun. Take your time. I'll be here waiting for you when you come back. That is a very different relationship. And I think it's kind of the same with our money, right? It's like when you send your money away and when you release it, how are you treating it? Are you like, oh my God, it's never going to come back. Something bad is going to happen. The economy is going to crash. I'm going to lose my job. There's no respect, there's no trust, there's no love for your money versus I'm going to release this money and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to send it out into the world with the best of intentions and I know that it will come back to me over and over and over because I love my money and money loves me and that's what it does. So I think that that is part of having a really healthy relationship with money, but also with your spending habits is yes, of course, having a plan for it and having a priority for it and making sure that the most important things are taken care of first, but also 
knowing that money wants to take care of you. Money has an energy and a vibration to it. It wants to be used in a loving way. It's an abundant resource and it's always going to be coming back to you. I want to read you guys. I know I'm always reading stuff from this book on this podcast. It's one of my favorites. It's probably the most quoted book on the podcast, but truly all, I just can't help myself because every time I open it up, I'm like, yep, that's good. Got to read that on the podcast. So Here are some excerpts about this topic from The Soul of Money. There's actually a chapter in this book that is titled Money is Like Water. The author's name is Lynn Twist, but here's what she says. Grounded in sufficiency, money's movement in and out of our life feels natural. We can see that flow as healthy and true and allow that movement instead of being anxious about it or hoarding it. Insufficiency. We recognize and celebrate money's power for good, our power to do good with it. And we can experience fulfillment in directing the flow towards our highest ideals and commitments. Just as blood in the body must flow to all parts of the body for health to be maintained, money is useful when it is moving and flowing, contributed and shared, directed and invested in that which is life-affirming. When blood slows down and begins to stop or clot, the body becomes sick. When water slows down and becomes stagnant, it becomes toxic. Accumulating and holding large quantities of money can have the same toxic effect on our lives. When we see money as something that flows through our lives and through the world, we realize that it doesn't really belong to anyone, or we could say it belongs to everyone. And the opportunity we have is to allow this resource, just like water, to move through the world in a way that nurtures the most people at the highest purpose. Without a judgment of good or bad, when you know the flow, it gives you the necessary self-knowledge to make conscious choices that align your spending with your vision of yourself and your highest commitments. So that is the first point that I want to make is that with healthy spending, there's no hoarding it. There's no gripping it. You have a loving, respectful, mature relationship with your money. You are sending it out into the world, aligning it to your core values and trying to do the highest good with it you can, knowing that it's going to keep coming back to you and back to you and back to you so that you can keep engaging in that process again, again, and again. All right, here's the second thing that I want to talk to you guys about, about what healthy spending looks like. And this is something that I have been seeing a lot, a lot, a lot come up with those of you that I have been doing one-on-one coaching sessions with, within overcoming overspending. When you are somebody who has healthy spending habits, you don't use money as a reward. Money is not a conditional resource to you. This one seems very subtle and very innocent, but we have all done this. Here's what it looks like when you are using money as a reward or as a conditional resource. It's when you say things like, well, I deserve this. I've worked really, really hard for this. I need a treat. I've had a really, really hard day. Again, I know that all of us have done this. I have done this before. And of course, when we do it, we don't think anything of it. It doesn't seem like something that's that bad. We're like, listen, I've worked really, really hard. So I deserve it. I want to treat myself or I've had a really, really hard day and I just need to pick me up. And I know that this would make me feel better. But what I have come to realize, I think over the past two years, is that money doesn't want to be used as a treat 
to you. It doesn't want to be used as a reward to you. It just wants to be spent in the highest good of you. And I've also come to realize that sometimes that it's perfectly okay just to tell yourself that you're going to go spend money or buy something or treat yourself simply because you want to. I think this really comes back to two things. One is a worthiness aspect. With money and women in particular, we closely associate our money to worthiness. And many of us do not feel worthy to step into the wealth that we know that we deserve and we also know that we are capable of building. We think that we have to work incredibly hard for it. We think it has to be earned. We think there has to be a lot of sacrifices and a lot of obstacles to overcome along the way. And also, in addition to the worthiness issue, so many of us have been taught that in order to become wealthy or in order to have a lot of money, you have to work really, really hard for it. All of us have been conditioned to believe that there's a very close association to how hard you work and how much money you're going to have. So many of us, when we think about money, just the underlying context of it, there's this notion of, I have to be worthy of it and I have to earn it. Now, a lot of that extends to earning money, right? When we're talking about the flow of money, that's more so money coming in, how we earn money. But those belief systems extend their way all the way through the entire flow of money. It's not just money coming in, it's also money going out. And you hear this all the time. We all think that we have to have like this amazing reason or this super, super really thought out excuse on if we want to buy something especially, especially you guys, if it's something really nice, if it's more of like a luxury item or if it's something at a higher price point, we feel the need to justify our purchasing decisions. And we also have to feel like we have earned it and we've worked hard enough for it. This could be anything from buying yourself a $2,500 handbag to just going to Starbucks and treating yourself to a $5 latte at Starbucks. We hear this all the time. Well, I earned it. I deserve it. I've worked really hard for it. And if you find yourself doing this a lot, treating yourself, I want you to A, pay attention to the fact that you're doing this and B, try to just get yourself to stop. I used to do this all of the time. And one day, what I decided to do was I said, okay, look, if I'm following all of the principles of being a good spender, if I'm making a plan for my money ahead of time, and if I have a priority for my money, I'm checking all the boxes. And then I'm going to have a pool of money that I can spend on the more discretionary items, on going to Starbucks, on buying a new piece of clothing, on a new beauty product, or on a new tech gadget if I want to. And knowing that I have taken care of all of these other things, I do not have to have any other reason for spending this money other than the fact that I want it. I believe that it would bring value into my life and it would make me happy and not the quick fix, sugar high dopamine happy, but like genuinely happy. I don't need to earn it. I don't need to deserve it. I don't need to treat myself with it. Wanting it is a good enough reason. 
let's just use this as an example. It's like, I can go to Starbucks tomorrow after I've dropped my daughter off at daycare simply just because I want to go to Starbucks. It's in my spending plan. I know I planned it ahead of time. So I'm going to go to Starbucks and I'm going to buy myself a Starbucks drink. And I can just leave behind all of the like justifications and all of the excuses and all of the like, well, but I did this, this, and this. It's just this need for validation. I think we're searching for need for validation, not only from ourselves, but from other people to say like, look, I spent this money and I bought this on myself, but here's all the reasons and the justifications that I had so that it's okay. And so to me, that's not healthy spending. I don't want your money to be a conditional resource for you. Meaning I have to behave a certain way. I have to follow these certain rules. I have to earn it. I have to deserve it. I have to be worthy of it. And then once all of those things become true, then I can go out and I can spend my money and buy my money on the thing. To me, I'm like, look, two things need to happen. You need to plan the purchase ahead of time from your prefrontal power to make sure that this is an aligned purchase and it's not just something you're doing, you know, for a quick dopamine hit and it needs to follow the priority of your money. Those are the two rules in my book. And if you can check both of those boxes, then that's all I need. I don't need any other justifications from you. I don't need to hear about how hard you worked for it or how much you deserve it or how hard of a time you've been having lately. And I'm not saying that none of those things are true. I know you work really hard, or maybe you are going through a really hard time, but even if you weren't working very hard or things were going really amazing, you can still spend your money the way that you want to spend it. And the only reason and justification that you need is that you simply want it. So let's stop using our money as a treat, as a reward, as an indication of our worthiness. It is none of those things. Okay, the next point that I wanted to make that we didn't talk about the last episode is not using your money as a buffer or a form of distraction. We actually touched on this in last week's episode with avoidance spending, which is spending that you're doing to avoid your life, to distract yourself, to place a buffer in between you and the negative emotion that you don't want to feel. I really feel that this is just a big one, a big, big, big one. And so I just want to touch on it again because it's not one that was mentioned in episode 49. But if you are doing spending in an attempt to make yourself feel better, it's not a healthy coping mechanism because again, just as a reminder from last week, it's not going to solve the problem long term. You are not dealing with the negative emotion in a healthy way. You are just pushing it out further and further and magnifying it into the future. And that really kind of brings me into another point that healthy spending looks like, which is that when you are spending your money, you are in a form of emotional adulthood. Emotional adulthood. Now, emotional adulthood is a life coaching term, but it's one that I've used on the podcast several times. I've also used the term emotional childhood on the podcast several times, and they're opposites. So you're either going to be an emotional adulthood or an emotional childhood. Now you can go back and forth between the two. It's not like you're one and you're stuck there forever. In fact, I would say that you can go back and forth between the two very quickly, multiple times a day. I know that I am still working constantly every single day to keep myself in a state of emotional adulthood. 
But what emotional adulthood means, it's that you understand that the circumstances of life do not create an emotional experience for you. Your thoughts, your thinking, your perspectives, and your beliefs do that. Feelings are created from thoughts. They are not created from circumstances. Now, we will have thoughts about circumstances that will create our feelings about things. But what most adults think and go through life believing is that the circumstances, the external circumstances of the world create the way that we feel. Money is a circumstance. So many of us will say, my debt is making me feel so stressed or my money situation is making me really depressed or it's making me really anxious. We will blame money for how we feel. And that's because many of us truly believe that money is the source of all of the negative emotions that we have around it. But it's not the money that is creating those feelings. It's the thoughts about the money that is creating those feelings. And it is such an important distinction to make. Because when you feel a lot of negative emotion about money, when you feel stressed, anxious, fearful, confused, overwhelmed, we think it's money's fault. So then we blame money. And at that point, money becomes a very scary and toxic resource to us that we cannot possibly have a healthy relationship with which means that no part of the flow of money is going to be healthy. The way you earn it isn't going to be healthy. The way you keep it isn't going to be healthy. And the way that you spend it isn't going to be healthy when you are constantly blaming money for all of the negative emotions that you feel around it. Now, Understanding this concept of emotional adulthood and childhood is also so crucial and important because when we believe that money can influence or that money is in charge of our emotional experience around it, we then extend that belief system into believing that the way that we spend money, it will be able to buy us things that money can never buy us. So when we think, oh, money is going to make me feel a certain way, we'll then believe, okay, so I can also use my money to buy my self-worth, to buy respect from other people, to buy admiration from my peer group. So one of the big characteristics of somebody who's not a good or a healthy spender is that they are trying to use their money to buy things that simply cannot be bought, which is just a hamster wheel that you were going to get yourself on. And then you're going to stay on because you're going to keep trying and trying and buying and spending. And it's going to go from one thing to another. And you're going to be like, okay, that didn't work. And that didn't work. And that didn't make me feel the way that I wanted. And that didn't buy this person's self-respect or admiration. It must be the next thing and the next thing. So we keep trying, not realizing and slowing down and saying, oh, wait, actually, the fault doesn't lie with what I'm trying to buy. The fault lies with the fact that I'm trying to buy things for myself that cannot be bought. I cannot buy my self-respect. I cannot buy my self-worth. I cannot buy the opinions, the respect, or the adoration of other people. And somebody who has healthy spending habits knows that. 
they realize that. They are in emotional adulthood when they spend their money. They understand, look, it's not money's job to deliver an emotional experience to me. That is my job through how I think about money, through the belief constructs I have about money, and through the relationship that I'm going to work on every single day between me and my money. I am not going to spend my money trying to buy things that cannot be bought. And I'm certainly not going to spend my money for other people. I don't mean like a gift or being generous and helping other people out with your money, but you know what I mean, like spending your money in an attempt to manipulate, to control the way other people see you and perceive you. Again, it's just a recipe for disaster. So being in emotional adulthood, when you are spending money, understanding where your emotional experience with money comes from, that it comes from within you, not from the money, not from what you buy. And then with that, you're not trying to buy things with your money that cannot be bought. You're not opting to play in a losing game. That is also another key characteristic of someone who is a healthy spender. So let's just recap. I want to take us through everything before we wrap up this week. But again, all of the five principles from episode 49 of being a good spender. You're spending money. You have a priority for your money. You are making a plan for your money ahead of time. You are aligning your spending with your values and you are tracking your spending. Your money has a good flow. There is no resistance to releasing it. After you do all of those things, you have your plan, you have your priority, you're going to release your money, set it out, have a trusting relationship with it that it's going to come back to you. You're not using your money as a conditional resource. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be worthy of it. You don't have to be deserving of it. You can simply spend your money in alignment with your values simply because it's something that you want, you know, would make you happy and you know, would bring value to your life. End of story. You're not using your money as a form of distraction. You're not using it as a buffer between you and the negative emotions that you really should be feeling and processing through. And when you spend your money, you're in a state of emotional adulthood. You are very clear around where your emotional experience around money comes from, that it comes from within you, not from the money and not from outside of you. And with that, you're not going to be using your money to buy things that can't be bought. I know that is a lot of points, you guys. And listen, I also think that in order to be a good and healthy spender, you don't have to be doing all of these things all at one time. You don't have to be nailing all of these things at once. I think it's just a gradual recognition of this is what healthy spending looks like. And it's just a commitment to getting a little bit better. So if you're doing none of these things right now, and let's just say you're doing a lot of the type of spending that we spent like last week, I think it's just taking it one step at a time, picking one unhelpful form of spending and focusing on that for 30 to 60 days. Let's say you're doing a lot of avoidance spending. You're like, okay, for the next 60 days, I'm just going to pay attention to when I'm in a negative emotional state and I want to shop it away. I'm going to ask myself the question, is this a time to shop or is this a time to feel? I'm going to practice the skill of feeling my feelings instead of defaulting to shopping. 
once you've gotten some practice with that over a 30 to 60 day period and you feel like you've made enough progress on it, move on to the next and then move on to the next. And as you're tackling each type of unhealthy spending and you're getting better at that, you can also start to introduce some of the qualities and traits of what healthier spending looks like. Progress over perfection. I understand that in the instant gratification world, we want to achieve results immediately. We want to completely stop all of the unhealthy habits that we don't like, that we know that we should change, and we want to get to the other side of the spectrum as quickly as possible. But it's just not sustainable to do that, you guys. You have to work your way there. And I want you just to be patient with yourself while being committed to the process. So, that is what I have for you guys this week, what healthy spending looks like. I really hope that this explanation and these examples have helped you over the last two weeks, just bringing light and attention to maybe some unhealthy spending that you've been doing, but also, okay, what is the goal and what should we try to get to and what does that actually look like? It would mean so much to me if you would share this episode with your network. You can tag me on social media at at overcoming underscore overspending. And of course, if you want to learn about how you can work closer with me, if you want to join Overcoming Overspending, if you want to do private coaching with me, all of the information to take this work deeper and to actually apply it into your life will be in the show notes. All right, y'all. I love you so, so much. That is a wrap for the last Money Love Podcast episode in the double digits. Next week, we are having episode 100, which again is going to be a fabulous episode. I'm so excited to put it out to you guys. I know you're going to love it. So have a fantastic week and I will see you next Tuesday. Hey girl, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled purposeful and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.